Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. You may have noticed we've had a recent name change. Initially, we went with Finance Fridays with the intention of, as you'd expect, discussing financial topics and uploading those on Friday afternoons. Mike and I both really felt that the podcast is so much more to us than just finance, and we felt the term that capitalize aligns better with the message we want to portray. To us, these discussions range from concrete to philosophical, but all with a focus of our core Altius values of helping others protect, defend, and grow their capital. Mike can elaborate a bit on what we mean by capital or to capitalize. Well, you know, the capitalize on Fridays is the kind of thing I was wanting to get at is, um, you know, thinking about the end of the week and, and kind of like, I had a productive week, I made progress, I'm going to listen to this podcast and get even clearer on my finances and what I want to do. And then I'll have a great fun weekend, right? You know, it's kind of like uh, capitalize on Fridays, um, make Fridays with uh, Taylor and Mike, that experience that you have at the one, you know, kind of a capping off the end of the week of productivity and having fun for the rest of the week. Um, that was my thinking on it. And, you know, capital means a lot to me. Capitalism means a lot to me. People don't understand the word, the root of the word capitalism and capital, but it comes from the, you know, from the word originally head and using the mind. And that's what I associate it with. And, you know, that's about a lot about what we're, you know, trying to communicate with clients is how do you use your mind better to use your money better for having a better life? And so that's, that's the point about, uh, you know, capitalize on Fridays or uh, capitalize your Fridays. That's what my thinking is. Well, I, I really like that because since it aligns with a lot of our philosophy for Altius as well. So today's podcast, if you've read the title, it's HMO, PPO, HSA, what the hell? Many of you might be in that middle um, end of the year time where you're going, okay, my employer just sent me this long email and it's got a couple attachments. They said I'm in open enrollment. Yeah, what the hell is this? <laughs> just to be honest. Um you maybe have. No, a I think list. that's true. People people hear all these uh, acronyms, especially when it's associated with, uh, you know, benefit plans or whatever their language at work is, or you know, government, you know, agencies or whatever. And and that's part of what we're trying to do is cut through and say, you know, what the hell does this mean? Yeah. And so our hope is that maybe we'll make this time a little bit easier for you to maybe look into. Okay, well oh, that's what an HMO plan means. And maybe that's better for me, or maybe I want a high deductible plan. So we're going to start with the terminology on the details for medical plans, and then we'll go into specific plan types and a little bit about each of those. We're really going to just focus in on the healthcare benefits today. I know you probably got a huge packet and it's probably starting with healthcare, healthcare, transitioning to maybe long-term and short-term disability, maybe finishing off with some life insurance type stuff. If you guys do have any follow-up questions for us, please feel free to reach out at altiusfinancial.com. That is A-L-T-I-U-S financial.com. You can just click the contact us button, or you can also always shoot me an email at taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at altiusfinancial.com. Okay, let's get on with the show. Starting off with just some quick terminology. 
a lot of these policies talk about what is in network or out of network. This really just refers to your hospital doctor care providers. This is saying, oh, your network is this, this set of doctors and this set of hospitals. Typically, you can find what is in your network on a list that will be provided to you. I mean, one of the things we want to make yeah. clear is that these are, we're talking about benefits generally. Now we're focused on healthcare benefits or, or health insurance type benefits that you might have through an employer as an employee. But we're also talking to people who are employers themselves who have to deal with all this stuff and, and they're the ones who are making the choice. And so they make a choice of here's the kind of plans you might be offered as an employee and those plans determine the network of you know who you can go to. Yeah. Um, many of you will see some plans will say high deductible or low deductible. Deductible essentially means this is typically what you have to pay out of pocket before you receive certain healthcare benefits. Now, some of you might be going, oh, crap, my deductible says it's a thousand dollars before I receive anything. There's also typically a line that'll say copay. And if you have a copay, that means that you're actually only paying a portion before you hit your deductible. Sometimes you'll see where it says it's $30 copay for a primary care physician. So you're not having to throw out that thousand dollar amount before you can meet with your primary care physician. You're just paying the initial 30 and that'll go towards your total deductible amount for the year. Now, if you go in and you're meeting with your primary care physician and then they say, now we're getting an X-ray, you're getting some shots, we're going to pop out some medications for you, then you'll likely have to pay a little more and likely hit in towards your deductible payments. Yeah, I think it's important to, to make sure people realize that the deductible and copay, those are all about incentives, right? They're trying to say, okay, if you want to pay, if you want to pay a cheaper ongoing premium for your health insurance, then you have to pay more out of pocket for, for these things. Um, it's a, it's about trying to manage the incentives. How often do you go to a doctor? If you go to a doctor very few times, then you're better off having, you know, high deductibles and, and co-pays that work in that, in that sense. It's trying to incent your behavior. Yeah. And then just kind of what, Ma what Mike just went into is the premium. So that's your monthly or bi-monthly per paycheck, what you pay into in order to have this healthcare coverage. So maybe that's a once a month, $100, maybe it's a once a month, $1,000. It really just varies plan to plan. And just another, you know, kind of big picture philosophical note, the, these, these terms are all like any kind of insurance um, in one sense, you know, premium, premium means the money that you pay for the, for the insurance you're getting. If you have a car, you're paying a premium for that kind of insurance. Uh, and there's a deductible. If, you know, if you get in a wreck, then you have to pay a certain amount for, you know, out of pocket yourself uh, before the insurance company is going to cover it. And, and so it's, again, speaking of uh, incentives. Now, the difference is, you know, most people can shop amongst whatever uh, car insurance company they want. It's not connected to their employer. And that is kind of a difference in terms of our, our, uh, our current healthcare system, which has a bunch of historical roots, you know, going back, you know, <clears throat> a long time. We won't get into that right now, but it's, it's using the language of insurance, but it's not exactly like every other kind of insurance. Yeah. And, and kind of continuing on that, Mike was saying that typically people just go with whatever their employer has. I just want you guys all to be aware, you aren't required to take your employee health care insurance. If, if you're looking at this policy and going, 
oh, this is $800 a month. I can't afford that. You can actually go on the health insurance market. I mean, it's more work for you, but you can likely find a policy that's hopefully a little better for what your specific needs are. It's just a little less convenient if you have to shop on your own. So now I'm going to get into some of the specific healthcare type of plans. I'm going to, Mike and I are going to do every other person. So I'll start with HMO and he'll go on to the next one. So a lot of you, the first plan that you'll see as an option will be an HMO plan. So yeah, what is, what's a HMO? Essentially what that means is a health maintenance organization. What it what it breaks down to is your, com your company will say, okay, here's our one network and you're limited to having providers within that network in order to receive care that is covered by that insurance. Unlike the PPO type of plan that we'll get into next, an HMO plan is only covered within your network. So if you're going out of network because you have a special doctor, you're likely gonna pay all of that out of pocket. Another big difference that we wanna note is that typically, pretty much always, you're required to meet with a primary care physician before going to specialized providers. So the way that these types of plans work is, say you get a weird rash and you go, oh, well, I need to meet with a dermatologist. Nope, first you gotta to go to the primary care physician and then the primary care physician will check you out and say, Oh yeah, that, that looks like you have a rash. You should probably meet with a dermatologist. <laughs> and then <laughs> they'll say, oh, here are some dermatologists that you're allowed to talk to. And then you go to the dermatologist and you go, hey, I need some rash cream because I've got a rash. <laughs> and so it's, it's like one extra step, which is a little bit inconvenient. But the perk of this is these are typically one of the cheaper options for for healthcare plans. Uh, go into that a little bit more, Taylor. I mean, you know, so I think that's good that you're saying uh, that it gives you, you have to take more steps, but it actually reduces your costs. Why are they doing that that way? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just looking into, I'm going to get Mike started on a roll of why do we yeah, have- it's just, you know, Again, it goes back to incentives. They're trying to manage their costs. So they're, they're, they want a little gatekeeper. You go to this doctor and they're going to be able to help manage the costs. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the thought is, oh, if I have a dermatologist issue and I go to the primary care position, it costs the insurance company less to just pay for a primary care visit on their side of the payments. Yep. So they're like, well, if the primary care physician just gives you a rash cream instead of it sending you to a dermatologist who's likely going to charge you double for a specialized service. It's, I think the reasoning is saving the insurance company money. That's what I mean, managing costs, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, all of these behind any product, whether it's car insurance or financial services, financial advice, or buying Cheetos or beer, you know, it boils down to that company wanting to make a profit. And the companies who are, who are providing insurance through their employer, through employers, are also looking to make sure that they can be profitable. You know, the, if, if they don't have a profit margin, they can't be in business. No margin, no mission, as I oftentimes like to say. Uh, and so they're they're saying, okay, well, there's these. We have to provide these plans, and people are taking advantage of them. They're going. They get somehow they're getting weird rashes. And they want them taken <laughs> care of, um, or or more serious things. You know, they want them taken care of, and and they so that 
but those things cost things. That costs. It costs money to go to see a doctor or or other specialists. How do we manage the costs? I mean, this is you know again, big picture. Um, these services, these products and services cost cost somebody something, uh, and it's the insurance companies and the medical providers, the the doctors, nurses, uh, hospitals that are providing these things. They want to be paid. They have a right to be paid for their services and. But if, if, if we're saying everyone gets them, everyone gets rash cream or everyone gets, uh, you know, uh, cancer treatment or whatever it might be from, from rash cream to cancer treatment, there's costs. And the question is, who's going to pay those costs and how do we manage the costs? That's, that's what I was wanting to get at is, you know, there's different ways. All these plans are put in place to say, okay, well, here's what people want as far as a choice. How do we manage the costs with, given those parameters? Piggybacking on that. Now we're kind of transitioning into the most expensive plans, which are the PPO plans. Mike, do you want to go into that? So PPO plans are, you know, they, it stands for preferred provider organization. And again, you, you kind of see that name preferred provider, preferred by who? Well, it's preferred by uh, the employer to manage the employer side and the insurance companies to, to manage the cost. If you go to our preferred, preferred providers that we have big contracts with, then maybe we can reduce your costs. They're, they're a type of healthcare plan that contracts with medical providers such as hospitals and doctors. And, and they create this network of, of providing uh, uh, participating providers. And so you pay less if, if you're using those providers that belong in that network. Um, but you can get benefits outside of the network. You can go to a doctor that you like better than someone who's in the, in the uh, network, but it's going to cost you more money. So they're more flexible because you don't have to go to a primary care, uh, you know, primary care physician as a gatekeeper to get your rash cream or whatever it might be, you can go meet with the dermatologist immediately. But again, if it's not within the network or within that preferred providers, uh, it's going to cost you more money. They're flexible, yeah. but they're typically most more expensive and they provide more coverage. Yeah. Well, and, and just one more note on that. So with the HMO type plans, if you go to an out of network doctor, you're typically going to pay everything out of pocket with the preferred provider network. You're paying a higher premium because if you do decide to go out of network, you're still likely going to have some type of good coverage. You're just going to pay a little bit more than if you went in network. So that's where if you have a specific doctor that you're like, I have to go see Dr. Bob and He's not on our option. If you do the preferred provider, that will allow you to see Dr. Bob, regardless of if he's in network. So what do you think is better? You know, should people choose HMOs or PPOs? Well, I really think it depends on a person. It depends on their specific needs. If, if I've got 20 doctor visits a month and I've got all these specialized needs, a PPO is going to you're basically prepaying for that service because you know, you're going to use it. I mean, you're going to pay a higher premium anyway, but you're going to be using the, the service. Yeah. And so you would likely have higher medical expenses overall, regardless. So it could be helpful to have that type of a plan. Um, a HMO can be perfectly sufficient for anyone who maybe you go maybe three or four times a year. So you have a, a few visits, maybe you've got a dermatologist or something that you like to see routinely, but you're not going that often. Similar to both of these is the EPO plan. So you may not even have this as an option, or you may have this as an option instead of an HMO. 
and it's a letter E, letter P, letter O, and it's an exclusive provider plan. It's basically very, very similar to an HMO plan. They typically also require you to meet with the primary care physician before. They're kind of a mid-range plan between a P between an HMO and a PPO. It's kind of like a hybrid. Um, they often have much larger network options. So you've got a bigger variety of doctors to meet with, but you're still limited to that network of doctors. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I would assume listeners who might be in Colorado, I think Kaiser would probably fall under this type of a plan. So any of you guys getting that kind of treatment, they're, they've got a large network, but you're still limited to the Kaiser family. You can't go to Nebraska and meet with a doctor who's not a Kaiser doctor. It's only Colorado, only that specific network. Yeah. So my so, um, maybe I should jump into the my favorite, the high deductible plans. Yeah. Uh, HDHP high high deductible healthcare plans. Uh, they're typically the lowest cost in terms of premiums, but they also cost a lot in terms of you having to pay for stuff out of pocket uh, if you have healthcare needs. So they don't cover much before you reach your, your own deductible in the plan. They're, they're the closest thing to actual, what I call insurance, because the, what they're saying is, you know, you're, you're responsible for the everyday healthcare, quote, healthcare costs. But if you have a, you know, a, a big need in terms of, you know, that an insurance policy should cover, then, then they will cover it. Yeah. They're a great opportunity for one to keep the lower your own costs lower and you don't have many routine doctor visits. If you're if you're generally a healthy person, you know, it's the best way financially. Again, if you're if you're uh, um, generally healthy and want to save money long term. Now, as a heads up for those who are female and don't have many health needs, but do have annual women's visits, um, those are currently covered under under any prior Obamacare rules. So you still receive that treatment and the annual services, regardless of the plan you choose. The, the key to a high, high deductible plan is that you can save more money and you can use what we call a uh, HSA or health savings account, which allows you to, and, and this is one of the things that we really wanna emphasize for our clients who are, who are ambitious about their finances and want to achieve more security over time, because an HSA is probably one of the most uh, the, the best tax advantage plans out there. We call it a super IRA in one sense. It's the only plan out there where you can get a deductible going, you know, putting a contribution into a plan. This is a, a basically a, a specialized savings account like an IRA, but for health health care purposes. You get a deduction when you put money into the plan, a tax deduction. It grows tax deferred, uh, basically tax free. And then when it comes out, as long as you're using it for healthcare expenses, then it's uh, tax-free as well. So it's the only plan where you can go in tax-free, have it grow tax-free and come out tax-free. So it's a great uh, savings vehicle. If you believe in the future, you're gonna have medical costs. And most of us over time will, as we get older, that's when we actually have more medical costs. It's a fantastic plan. The minimum, minimum deductible for an individual is $1,400 and for a family is $2,800. The HSA maximum deductible contribution where you're saving is for individuals $3,550 and this year for families $7,100. So, you, you know, if you're a family, you can, you can save over $7,000 per year, both putting it away, getting a tax deduction and having that grow. And the other cool thing is you can actually invest those 
those $7,000. It's not just a savings account, bank account kind of thing. You can actually use it like an IRA where you're investing in the stock market or mutual funds or real estate or real estate type of investments or gold uh, backed investments. You can diversify a portfolio within an HSA account um, and have it grow over time. Um, that's sort of a summary of the high deductible uh, story in the HSA. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Taylor. Yeah. So just a couple things to add. Mike talked about the deductible amount and the contribution. So on the contribution note, some of you may go, well, my, my account is a deductible over the 2,800 for my family, or my deductible is over the 1,400 as an individual. Why don't I have a health, a health savings plan allowed in here? One thing to note is your employer may or may not provide a HSA health savings account, but it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to have one. If you, as long as you meet that minimum deductible amount, either as an individual or as a family within your type of plan, you're allowed to set up an account, whether it's provided by your employer or not. Another yeah, it depends on the size of the employer. Sometimes uh, employers, in fact, these kinds of accounts, it's funny how these things get adopted over time, but they're, they're, they're not that new, but they're newer than IRAs and, and they've been adopted more and more recently. And obviously, you know, large employers have re more resources to be able to implement these kinds of plans. But as Taylor's saying, if, as long as you've got a high deductible qualifying plan, you can set up your own account. We can set up that kind of an account for you. There's a lot of banks that can do it. There's a number of different financial institutions that can give you an HSA account as long as your healthcare plan uh, is high deductible like that. Yeah, exactly. And another thing to note is with the recent CARES Act changes, they have actually expanded the list of things that you can spend these accounts on. So if you aren't currently able to um, save quite a bit, or if, if you do have medical expenses that are coming up and you are wanting to use this as a banking type account, there is a quite a long list of things that you're allowed to use now, including like over-the-counter medications, um, I think women's care, so there's quite a few things, not just your typical doctor's visit that you can use on that account. Another thing to note that makes these plans different is typically health savings type plans aren't allowed to, to be spent on any kind of premiums. You are allowed to spend them on long-term care premiums. So if you're investing in a long-term care insurance, as advisors, we wouldn't necessarily recommend this as your smartest idea, but if you needed that, that coverage, and if you needed to pay for it out of that account, that is an option as well. Well, and I think it's worth noting that you know, the ideal thing for this kind of a high deductible plan and HSA plan is someone who's, you know, who's amb again, ambitious about their long-term financial goals. Maybe they're young and healthy, so they don't need lots of care, and, but they, you know, they want to have uh, catastrophic or, or insurance in case, you know, they, you know, it's not a rash cream, but they, they, you know, they want to be covered in case they get cancer or something like that but they want to save on the premium right now and they really want to put money away for the long term. That's the ideal person, young person, healthy, using uh, that HSA, funding it in the max and not spending it on, you know, on the over the counter medications, not spending it on, even on do routine doctor visits or anything like that. People sometimes will put money in the plan and they'll take it out. The ideal is to make it build because again, at some point in your life, maybe when you're my age in your fifties or, or as you grow older, you're going to have more healthcare expenses. 
maybe that's the point in time where you start to use it for long-term care insurance or something like that. But you, you've got now a, a large pool of money that's actually working for you, um, again, tax-free, tax but is going to help you uh, plan for your medical expenses over the, over the course of your lifetime. And that's the ideal way to use it. Yeah, I fully agree that the ideal for, for anyone listening, if you are going to set up an HSA plan, is to save it to as much as you can. Um, fully maximize it each year. So each calendar year, you can actually put in that full deductible contribution amount. So say you're listening to this right now, it's November and you've got the money in your bank account, you set up your account, you can contribute that full 3550. And then come January, you can do a full additional 3550 for the next calendar year as well. So Kind of transitioning to a similar but different plan, I do want to address FSA plans. They're not nearly as common, but you may see that that's an option for your employer, and I want to make sure we address them. So FSA plans are flexible spending accounts. It's very similar to an HSA, but the problem with these is you're not having all those extra perks of saving into an account for the long term. These are what we call use it or lose it plans. So you're pretty much limited to using them for just that year. And these are the ones where if you're allowed to, you want to spend it on your doctor's visits each year and you want to spend it on the dentist and um, kind of anything that you can. The the main perk of this type of plan is that the contributions go in pre-tax. But if you're looking at the two as an option, I would definitely lean towards an HSA. The one thing where it can be helpful to look at that is similar but entirely different is they ha- that some employers offer what is called a dependent care FSA. This is an additional type of flexible spending account that is focused entirely on child's health care, day camp, preschool, after school programs. So these types of plans, similar to a flexible spending account, The money will go in pre-tax, so you're not being taxed on it, and you can use it that year on um, any kind of child care expenses that you would have. And I think for people with children, that can be an additional extra opportunity. Yeah, it's definitely worth worth considering if you've got family family needs. Um, Again, it is a use or lose it type of plan, but it's it's a good idea to to again use the tax system to be able to say, okay, can I. Can I be more efficient with my, my dollars by, by um, funding some of these annual expenses? And in this case, it is where you're, you're, you, are, you are spending it. I mean, they want to contrast the HSA where we're saying, you know, really, you want to make that a long-term plan. You're accumulating money like an IRA for the future, uh, future healthcare expenses. But this one is more like, okay, I, I want a tax benefit, but I know I'm going to have certain, certain expenses, not just healthcare, but as you mentioned, you know, daycare, those kinds of things. Um, and the employers often will, will give that as another way to, to manage your tax, uh, taxes. Um, and that's maybe, you know, kind of a, a good stopping point. I don't know if you had anything else to say about FSAs or, or the rest of the plans, but, you know, hopefully we've given you some concrete, concrete, actionable, uh, advice about, okay, this is the kind of plan that might fit my needs best. Um, a lot of these again, are, are driven by the tax code and legislation that are associated with your employer. Obviously, if you're an employer yourself, if you're self-employed, then that that brings a whole nother set of uh, 
uh, issues, you're the one who's, who's choosing those plans and you have, you have lots of flexibility um, to choose how you pay for your own health care, whether you're getting a self-employed deduction, that, that, that all relates to it. But the key is, you know, these are all incentives offered by our tax code. Uh, in, in an ideal world, at least in my ideal world, you wouldn't have those, you know, kind of trying to manage your behavior. You would just be able to contract with your employer and with your doctor and, and just make your own choices. Uh, but, but our, you know, that, that's, that isn't the ideal world. It is my ideal world. Isn't the case. We have a tax code that, that gives certain incentive behaviors or incense certain behaviors. And we're wanting to say, Hey, you know, um, most of our clients are, are savvy people and they're wanting to make the most of the current laws and the current situation with their employer and, and want to make smart long-term decisions. And that's why we're, that's why we're here. Right, Taylor? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so just kind of continuing and just a quick wrap up summary of each type of plan one more time. HMOs are great if you're trying to save some money and if you're, if you have a few doctors, but they all fit in your plan. EPOs are very similar to HMOs. So same kind of advice. PPOs are great if you have a pile of doctors on your list. Maybe you're getting pregnant this year. You've got you want to make sure you're getting top of the notch healthcare and everything's covered before you get to the doctor. HDHPs are great if you don't have a lot of healthcare expenses. If you're looking to say, I go to the doctor once or twice a year, but I can mostly cover that out of pocket. We're just fine. Let's maybe look at a way to save and maximize my long-term ex- my health savings. That's where the HDHP comes in. And then Underlying those both, you've got the HSAs and the FSAs. HSAs are great for long-term savings. FSAs are good for if you're trying to spend it right away. We would still advise going with the HSA route, and you can actually pair that with the dependent care FSA if your employer offers it, if you've, if you've got children. But yeah, I, I really hope this was helpful for everyone, and I hope you enjoyed hearing from us. If you have any further questions, any specific questions to your type of planning. If you would like to talk to us about planning, feel free to reach out once again, taylor at altiusfinancial.com or go to just altiusfinancial.com and reach out on the contact us button. Yeah, hopefully we'll hear from you. This is uh, always an interesting time of year where you're, you're getting down to the end of the year and making those uh, employer elections and, and also hopefully planning for the for the new year, doing your own year-end type planning. We can help you with that. We have checklists. We, in fact, we'll probably do a future podcast about just year-end planning, you know, in the, in the fairly new future about year-end planning, what kinds of things you should be doing before December 31st. It's been great, Taylor. I uh, appreciate you putting uh, putting this together for us and uh, look forward to talking to, to all of our, all of our uh, clients and uh, friends. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Once again, this is Capitalize Your Fridays. Have a great weekend. Oh, 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 oh,